Good morning. And so uh, I uh, realized as I was preparing this message that it is a holiday weekend. And it got me thinking, what are some of the traditions that I have uh, participated in for Fourth of July? And it made me wonder, what are your traditions? So who here on the 4th of July or in celebration of the 4th of July and the days around it, you decide it's going to be a good day to go out for a cookout or a barbecue? Any of you have that? Who here, if, they, if the weather cooperates, you find a place to swim? How about you go see a fireworks show? Anyone see fireworks so far? Okay. They were vibrant last night in multiple locations, and at our house, we were hearing them all over the place. How many of you, instead of going to a fireworks show, you set off some fireworks of your own? Uh-oh. Be careful with that because you don't want to get yourself in trouble, but there's a lot of traditions that come with observing a holiday, and when it comes to the 4th of July, I kind of wonder, what is the real meaning behind the 4th of July? It has an official title, doesn't it? One that isn't used as often, I find. It's called Independence Day. And it's supposed to commemorate how America broke away from Great Britain to be an independent, sovereign nation, right? And so here's my uh, question to you. Do you really think through on what Independence Day really means, or do you simply value the traditions that you've picked up along the way so much so that it has lost all meaning on what Independence Day really means? And I think for Christianity, for us as Christians, we have a temptation. We can go to church we can listen to our favorite style of worship music. We can add a lot of Christian things like Christian clothing and Christian jewelry. We have decorations on our walls with our favorite verse is proclaimed for all who come to our house. And we add all of these Christian things and we pick up all of these habits and we pick up all of these traditions but sometimes we get so focused on those things that we end up missing out on the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we miss out on what it truly means to be a follower of Christ. And so today, I want us to ask ourselves, what does it truly mean to walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ? What does that truly look like? Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What do you think that means when it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free? What does that really mean? It means that we can't just live however we want. Sometimes we have this view of freedom that we could just live however we want because we're free. 
But according to that verse, it is living in such a way that it maintains the freedom that we have been given, right? So that we won't once again turn back to a yoke of slavery. It's to continue in our freedom. So when we talk about following Jesus Christ, we are talking about making choices that have a purpose to it. We have, a, we, we have a, an obligation, a responsibility in our freedom that when we make a decision that there is a longevity to our freedom today. And so if we were to make any decisions and we don't have that purpose and we don't have that longevity in mind, we are at risk at once again taking on the yoke of slavery. Let me... Uh, let me give you a scenario this morning. If I, as a free man, chose to leave my house and my family, and I go to a house that is not my own, I shackle myself to the floor, I then give the key to those shackles to another human being and say, you are now my boss. And now I am choosing to run every decision, every thought by you first. Am I really free? I'm not, am I? You see, I freely made that decision, but because I did not choose to uh, consider the freedom that I have been given, I simply chose slavery in that situation. And for us today, I think that it is possible for us to initially be given freedom in Jesus Christ, but along the way, we pick up traditions, we pick up habits, and we once again allow ourselves to be shackled to things that do not matter. We run our thoughts by those things, we run our actions by those things, and we end up being a walking contradiction, a Christian enslaved to the world once again. And I'm here to encourage you today that you you do not have to continue to walk in slavery. There is freedom in Jesus Christ. Christ has called you to walk in that freedom. And so for you today, you might be feeling discouraged. You might be feeling defeated. But today, we have freedom in Christ. We are free. We get to serve Jesus Christ. We get to serve one another. We get to speak to our Lord and Savior on a daily basis. And so church, if you are here and you're feeling discouraged today, if you're feeling like you are living a life of drudgery, if you're feeling like you are living a life where you are having a hard time taking one step in front of another, be encouraged today that Christ is calling you to walk in his freedom today. So let's explore a little bit further on what that means. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to be taking a look at a variety of passages in chapter 4, but we're going to start at verse 8. Galatians chapter 4, starting at verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those by, by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? 
Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. My first point in my message this morning is is that God calls us forward, not backward. God calls us forward, not backward. It seems that Paul is a little exasperated here, doesn't it? It seems like he's a little irritated. It's like he cannot uh, comprehend, he cannot believe what he is hearing about the Galatians. It seems like he really cares about them. And when he's writing, you kind of pick up, there's this parental tone that he has with them. And that caused me to ask a question. Why does Paul seem to feel like he has this parental tone with the Galatians? How did they meet? So if you look at Acts chapter 14, we see that Paul and Barnabas were taking trips to other places throughout the Roman Empire to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And in Acts chapter 14, it says that they traveled to various different cities in the region, and because of the preaching of Paul and Barnabas, and because of the signs and wonders that followed Paul and Barnabas, the Galatians had a response. They were so impressed that they started to worship Paul and Barnabas as if they were one of the gods that they worshipped. In fact, they called them Zeus and Hermes. And Paul and Barnabas had kind of an extreme reaction. What did they do? They tore their clothes in distress, which apparently is a sign of distress at that time. Now, I don't know about you, but I have never been so distressed that I decided I have to tear my clothes off. Aren't you glad that that's not how we show distress today? confrontation can already get a little awkward. Let's not throw the naked factor in there, right? And so we have Paul and Barnabas having this extreme reaction, and eventually the Galatians responded appropriately. They began to realize where the power came from when they looked at Paul and where they looked at Barnabas. It had nothing to do with Paul. It had nothing to do with Barnabas. It had to do with Jesus Christ living on the inside of them. Church, we have something special to offer the world today. We have something that is life-giving that is different than from what the world has to offer today. So don't be bashful about that. Don't be shy about that. Be able to sing songs here in this sanctuary, but be able to walk out that door proclaiming the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because it is only him who can offer true freedom that lasts. In verse 9, it starts off with, but now that you know God, or rather are known by God. The knowledge that this verse is talking about is more than just head knowledge. It means knowing up here, but it also means knowing here. It is not just some empty, dry, scholarly knowledge. It is a personal knowledge. It is a relational knowledge. It is a freeing knowledge. 
And so we have this great hope and promise that we are not here in this church to just learn something for the sake of learning it. We come to have relationship with one another, but we're here to worship as a group Jesus Christ. That is the knowledge that we have. That is the hope that we have. That is what Paul was encouraging the Galatians to do, was to continue to pursue Jesus Christ in this freeing relational way. Notice that Paul didn't accuse them of outright idolatry. He didn't say, hey guys, you went back to worshiping Zeus and Hermes just like when I first met you. Instead, he said that you have fallen prey to the principles of this world. You have fallen prey to the value system of this world. And that value system can only lead to slavery and you have been called out of slavery and embracing the principles of God's kingdom, not the kingdoms of here of this earth. Church, there's a reason why God called us from the principles of this world. There is a reason why he called us to not trust in ourselves and our own ideas and philosophies and ideologies. Because if we were able to be saved by such things, then Jesus Christ never would have had to come. We are called to serve Jesus Christ and respond to him. The question is, are we walking in that freedom or are we latching on to other things in the name of God as well? An example of how this value system only enslaves can only be found when you watch the news. And some of the things that are being lifted up and some of the rules and regulations that have been passed that our schools now have to uh, obey. Church, we have become so enslaved to, uh, this society has has become so enslaved to ideology that we don't even know how a bathroom or a locker room is supposed to work anymore. Now, I do not say that in a prideful manner. There's been plenty of times where I have been confused and I have no idea what's going on. I grew up in the church and I went to Bible school and every single step of the way, I knew that God was calling me to preach the gospel, but I continued to fight it and run away from it every single step of the way. I knew scripture. I was able to recite scripture, but there were moments in my life that I knew scripture, but I did not have the freedom of Jesus Christ. I was walking around lost, not not knowing where to go. I had no idea what it meant to be a follower of Christ. So church today, please hear me. The world around us is confused and is following sin because they have no idea who Jesus is. And when you embrace one sin, it rarely stays there. You become so enslaved to that sin that it becomes easy for you to rationalize, if this is okay, then this next thing is okay. And then this next thing is okay. And you continue to walk in confusion. So today, let's not have this prideful attitude as if we are so much better than anyone else in this world because we needed to be saved too. 
We were lost, but yet Jesus Christ came near to us and set us free. And so if he could set us free, he could set anybody free. So let's commit ourselves to lifting up the name of Jesus Christ because he is the only one who can truly liberate someone's heart, someone's mind, and someone's soul today. Let's lift up Jesus Christ. Let's, let's go into this a little bit further, shed some more clarity on about what exactly the Galatians were putting their trust in. In verse 10, it says, you are observing special days, months, and seasons, and years. This could get a little awkward. We're about ready to celebrate Independence Day. I don't know about you, but I observe Christmas. Are we wrong? Are we wrong in doing those things? I don't think so, unless, unless we do it, you know, maybe if we are doing it with the wrong attitude and the wrong motivation. But I think looking at the context on what exactly Paul is writing to the Galatians about will be helpful, right? And so Paul is writing to them because there is a group called the Judaizers. This was a group that was lifting up Christ. They were preaching Christ, but they were also preaching something else. They had picked up traditions along the way that had to do with Old Testament ceremonies, Old Testament laws, Old, Old Testament traditions. And they said that you had to observe these things. You had to do them in order for you to please God, in order for God to be happy with you. Now let's think about the absurdity of that. Because if Old Testament laws and Old Testament regulations and Old Testament traditions could truly free you, then why did Jesus need to come? That doesn't make any sense, does it? And so we have a group that is saying Jesus is important, but in order for you to please God, you also have to do these things. They stuck something else and connected it with Christ, elevating it to the same level of Christ. And I find that there are times where we as a church might do that from time to time. We as Christians might do that from time to time where we go around and we say we worship Christ, we say that Christ is important, but instead of resting in Jesus Christ and what he is able to do, we find ourselves looking around for things to do, things to participate in, things to grab a hold of, and we lift all of them up to the point where we say to a particular group of people, you are participating in this particular act, and you know what? That's not real worship. You're not singing real songs to God. You are, not, uh, you are uh, so focused on styles and, and, and ministries that you have to participate in. And if you don't participate in the way that you would, you have a tendency to point your finger and say, God can't be pleased with that. There might be some aspects of things where you, with pride, say, in my day, we had paper Bibles. As if God's word is somehow restricted to paper or digital means. Maybe you don't 
have these particular traditions and habits and desires that are inherently religious. Maybe you hold on to other things and lift them up. Things like, if you're a Christian, you could only vote one way. Got a little quiet in here. (laughs) You see, I am so thankful that my salvation does not hinge on whether or not these outside factors are a part of it. I am so thankful that I didn't have to continue to try to earn my salvation, but I could simply rely on the invitation that Jesus Christ offers, who says, you are stuck in your sin, but I have lifted you out of the pit, out of the muck and the mire, and I've set your, your feet upon a rock, given you a firm place to stand, establishing your footsteps. And now I have a new song to sing, a song of praise to our God. I am thankful that I did not have to do anything in order to get out of that pit. And you know what? I tried. I tried hard to get out of that pit, but it was only because of Jesus Christ who lifted me out of it and set me free once and for all. Today... Church, you can walk in that freedom. When we were without Christ, we relied on our actions. We relied on our thoughts. We looked at the horizontal first. Let me challenge you today. Look up. That's where our help comes from. That's where we find Christ. He's calling us forward towards the upward call of God. Let's stop looking back and trying to earn things, trying to add things, trying to please God with our own means. Let's simply rely on the fact that God has already made it possible for us to be in his presence. We just simply have to accept his invitation to do so. We need to seek after him the way he sought after us. That brings me to my second point. God calls us to be with him not to join a cause. God calls us to be with him, not to join a cause. Let's look at Galatians chapter four again, but this time starting at verse 17. Galatians chapter four, starting at verse 17. Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good. And to be so always, just not just when I am with you. Have any of you met somebody who is way too excited about sports? They start jumping up and down. They scream. There's a goal, they're like, yes, I scored. They even yell at the screen as if the players can hear them. They even yell as if the coach can hear them. Why would you make that call? Are you stupid? They yell at the refs, those terrible zebras. And if you attack their team, it's tantamount to you attacking them personally. That's my team. We won the championship. If they lose, they're in a bad mood for hours, if not days. 
You see, they have passion, but it's not necessarily good. And Paul is warning that there is this group that is trying to win the Galatians over, and they have passion, but their passion is misplaced. Their passion motivates them to do a lot of things in the name of God, but not necessarily resting and being with God and being changed in his presence. Do you see the difference there? One starts out with actions, and because of my actions, I am with God. The other starts in being in the presence of Almighty God because of what he has done exclusively, and then you are being changed so that you can participate in his kingdom. One places your trust in yourself. One puts your trust in Jesus Christ. We see this principle in the story of Mary and Martha. They both knew Jesus. They both cared about Jesus. Martha was passionate. She was committed. And she did a lot of things for Christ. But Jesus said that Mary chose what is better. Why? Because she chose to spend time with him. Chose to rest in his presence. In John 15, Jesus said this to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Church following Jesus is not another cause for you to join. It is not another thing to add to your schedule. Jesus realized that we could not do anything apart from him. We were stuck. We were considered enemies of God. But because of Christ, we are no longer stuck. Because of Christ, we are no longer separated from God and considered his enemies. Instead, we are considered sons and daughters of the Most High. The Judaizers and the Galatians forgot this. They thought that you had to be like Martha when Christ was calling them to be like Mary. So here's my challenge. Where do your efforts lie? Do you find yourself so busy with the things to do that you end up being distracted by not resting in the presence of Almighty God? There are a lot of things to be passionate about a lot of ministries to participate in. Here's why this truth is freeing. When Christ calls us, he then empowers us with his Holy Spirit. And not only does he empower us with his Holy Spirit, he begins to speak to us and direct us into what ministries we should participate in. And that means we are free to not look at all of the ministries and think I have to participate in all of them. It means that I don't have to do everything. I can just simply rest that because of Christ, I can be in his presence and that he's gonna call me exactly to the thing for me to participate in. And then I can rely on the body of Christ to do all of the other stuff that I am unable to do. 
So today we can walk without guilt. We can walk with freedom. We can walk with joy. Why? Because we are not reliant on ourselves. We're not reliant on our own petty agendas. We can simply trust that Christ has made it possible for us to rest in his presence and he is calling us to participate in his kingdom and nothing more. Church, today, God calls us his children, not his slaves. He calls us his children. In Galatians 4, 21 through 31, it tells the story of Abraham having two sons. One son was born of Hagar. One son was born of his wife, Sarah. One child represents the slavery that exists because Abraham felt that he needed to work his way to accomplish God's promises. One represents the freedom because it was finally Abraham and Sarah relying on God's promise to do what he said he was going to do. Church, today, we do not have to be in a place of wondering how God is going to fulfill his promises to us. In fact, he's already done so. He's already moved the obstacles out of the way. We don't have to sit there and wonder, how in the world are you going to do this, God? We could simply rely that the God of the universe who had the power to speak things into existence, who went through the trouble of coming as a man, living a life that we couldn't live, dying on the cross for our sins, and being raised on the third day so that we could have new life and a new identity. We could trust in that God to deliver us.